Welcome back to the Tell Me Podcast. I'm your host, Ilya. I suppose it's better late than never, but Happy New Year's, everyone. <laughs> Hope that 2023 is kicking off well. On this episode, I have a chat with John Hendrick. John was born and raised in New York City in the 80s and 90s. He grew up in rough neighborhoods and was exposed to hardship from an early age. Fast forward to the 2000s, and with the advent of YouTube, he and a few buddies started up a calisthenics channel called Bar Stars, which has generated millions of views worldwide. Wanting to go out and do his own thing after a few years, and while speaking to a friend who was leaving the CIA in 2016, John decided to combine his marketing skills from Bar Stars with his passion for current events, military history, and promoting awareness around veteran mental health. The result is his highly successful podcast, The Global Recon Podcast. John is one of the reasons I started listening to podcasts, and ultimately why I wanted to start one myself. Um, I've interacted with John over social media since tuning in in about 2017, and he's always been receptive and helpful with any queries I threw his way. Uh, Thank you for continuously providing amazing content, for your time on my podcast, and uh, for your friendship. Um, So yeah, John, really appreciate it. Everyone else, enjoy the podcast, and uh, see you on the next one. Cheers. It's an absolute honor to have John Hendricks uh, from Global Recon. Uh, this will be my first time podcasting a podcaster. Um, I don't know if you know this, John, but one of the many reasons that I started listening to podcasts and why I've you know decided several years later to start my own podcast is because of your show. Uh, so thank you very much for being on. Uh, no problem. I'm happy to to do this with you. Um, and I'm glad that uh, you know my show is able to inspire you to do something uh, that's positive and and good. So I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. Cheers. Cheers, John. Uh, yeah, so I think I the first time I tuned into it was sort of late. No, it was, it was probably early 2017. So I think your show had been going on for about a year uh, at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get all into that. So as everyone knows on this show, the, the, the format is uh, chronological. Um, so John, in as much detail as possible, can you tell me about, um, you know, the John Hendricks story? Where did it all begin? Yeah, sure. So I am born and raised in Manhattan, in New York. Um, uh, you know, grew up, I spent the first couple of years of my life uh, probably in a, in a rougher neighborhood, I would say. Um, and then at, at a point, uh, you know, my mother got a, a better job and we moved to a nicer part of the city. Um, and, I, you know, obviously I appreciated that. But... Um, yeah, so the, you know the the time spent sort of in the rougher side of the city. You know, I, I saw things that uh, you see in in rough areas in, in any city in the world, really. Um, and uh, even though there's a lot of negative that comes with that, you know, I am grateful for the experiences and, and things I was able to see and and how that's helped shape me and and how I view the world uh, as an adult. Um, so yeah, so then uh, you know, I 
I I went to high school. I didn't go to college. Um, when I was uh, 21, me and my friends started a, a company. Uh, my friends who were from the area uh, as well as the uh, same area as me, uh, we started a company called Bar Stars, which was a, uh, a uh, calisthenics and fitness and lifestyle kind of deal. And, and basically the premise of it was you can work out anywhere using your body weight uh without needing a gym and, and things like that and you know we started at a playground in manhattan like doing pull-ups and and push-ups and like some gymnastic stuff um with a cheap like 200 camera and uh you know we started a youtube channel and and uh you know we're at you know well over 100 million views on the channel and a, a nice amount of subscribers and uh, we we made all kind of connections doing that and uh, traveled all around the world, uh, hosting tournaments and things like that. Um, so we, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I learned how to market on social media and and um, I learned a lot about uh, connecting with people, which I think is a skill that's important. Um, and then after a period of time. Uh, you know, I felt like I wanted to do something else. Um, I always read a lot. I read about current events, um, military history in, in particular, I was always interested in. And um, two friends of mine, one was getting out of the army and the other was uh, getting out of the CIA and they were creating uh, companies and I wanted to help them market on social media. And that's kind of how Global Recon got started. Um, and it, it was really an accident. I mean, not an accident, but but just very random. Um, I was on the phone and and uh, my friend at the time who was, he was getting out the CIA, he was in Pakistan. And we were discussing creating some content to raise awareness about veteran suicide. And this was in... Uh, just at, I think at the end of 2015 and uh, the sort of landscape of the online military community was very different in those days. You know, there, there weren't a bunch of ex-military guys with huge platforms like you have now. Yeah. So the, the whole like idea of raising awareness for veterans who commit suicide, like people knew about it, but it wasn't as widespread as it is today. So, we were working on some content or, or figuring out how we're going to uh, create this content to uh, raise awareness for this. And it was in that conversation that uh, he, I, I think it was him who said, oh, we should just do a podcast. And I, and like completely random and caught me off guard. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I didn't know anything about doing a podcast. I had listened to some, I, you know, they, they weren't as popular as they are now podcasts, yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah, so he said that and I just, uh, I said, you know what, let's do it. And, um, I, I think I Googled and, and watched, you know, YouTube tutorials on how to set up your podcast and, and I just kind of dove into it. Um, nice. and I, then, I might, I might just stop you there and just go sure. backtrack a little bit. So, um, you, your upbringing years, what, what sort of time period are we talking about here? If you don't mind me asking, <laughs> uh, I was born in 88. Okay, cool. Uh, Jan January of 88, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say probably 
from 88 to like 99, I lived in a, a rough area in New York. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I mean, I just seen some pretty rough things, you know. Um, Absolutely. Uh, with with that, like, you know, it's New York, obviously, this metropolitan sort of, uh, you know, the urban jungle, if you will, um, pre, pre 9-11. And then how, how did sort of an event like September 11th, because I know, obviously, a lot of your guests and the way your podcast is formatted is very military uh, based uh, and themed. Um, and then, you know, yourself not not being from the services, um, did, did that sort of shape uh, your interest in, uh, you know, in, in history and in, in war and stuff? Was that sort of brought about as a result of events like September 11th or was that from somewhere else? Uh, I would say it contributed to it. Um, it. It wasn't right away that I, I had an interest in, in like world events and things, but it definitely opened my eyes uh to other things because you know most people live in their own little bubbles especially if you're young you know you don't really understand what's happening in the world um but yeah september 11th was a day that i mean most people in the world would agree it kind of changed things for them maybe in some parts of the world not so much but um i was in manhattan on that day and uh you know today i'll never forget um and it's one of those things where it's like uh, it was very vivid. Uh, it had a huge effect on me and everything that was going on around me. Um, uh, people I know died in the towers. Um, you know, when I whenever I think of September 11th, the, the one thing that always uh, hits me is is the smell, uh, because you can smell the burning uh, wreckage. Uh, and I was living in northern Manhattan at the time which is essentially the opposite end of where the towers were. Yeah. And uh, th this, the burning smell, it lingered for weeks. And um, in the the small area where I'm from, I mean, we're talking like maybe, I don't know, seven, seven city blocks. You know, there's buildings on each block. And there's like 30 plus people who died in the towers. Um, you know, a bunch of firefighters, police officers, um, or, you know, just people working a job. And, um, you know, it's it's just something that shaped, uh, like I said, you know, sort of everything around me. It changed everything. Uh, the way I found I was in eighth grade, and I think I was in, in uh, maybe science class, and uh, they called the teachers out into the hallway, and then my teacher, and I feel like she made this worse. Like she comes, like, running back into the room in, like, an obvious panic. And she made everybody uncomfortable immediately. And uh, I I'll never forget this. She was like, uh, if I tell you to run, run. If I tell you to hide, hide. Um, America's under attack. And, and we were just like, whoa, what are you talking about? And then she explained that a building hit the, the World Trade Center. And um, I, I think they, uh, we were all sent to like the gym and like the, the schoolyard for the rest of the day. And parents were picking kids up uh, as time went on, and um, and then I remember, uh, I, I don't know what I, I think most countries probably have their own version of this game that kids play. We called it manhunt, and it's basically like one team has to find the other team. The other team has a couple of minutes to go and hide somewhere in the neighborhood. Yeah. So I remember playing manhunt uh, after getting home from school. And uh, 
they had fighter jets patrolling the skies over Manhattan. And uh, every single time a jet passed over, my heart just jumped out of my chest. Like, and it, it was so bad to the point where I, I couldn't keep playing. Like, I just had to go home. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, when we're home, you're just watching the news. And uh, one of my cousins, he's much older than me, but uh, he was the head uh, electrical engineer at the World Trade Center. Um, so we weren't sure if he actually made it out or not because they shut off all cell phone service. Uh, immediately after. So a ton of people uh, were missing or people died, but they were listed as missing uh, because they, they couldn't confirm if they had made it out or not. Uh, but he, he fortunately, he did. Um, but yeah, it was just a mess. And, uh, I, you know, people speak about, you know, the, the country is very different today. It's very divided, um, you know, along political lines and ideological lines. But, um, you know, the one positive that people still speak about sometimes today is uh, how united we were on September 12th. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, I, it's just it's something that's missing from today. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, people it's it's very tribal now. Like you, you uh, I feel most people, they stay in their own echo chambers like there, uh, there isn't a lot of diversity of thought, and it's like if you have a different opinion on an issue, you know, we can't be friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a fan of that, but. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, we just can't have dialogue without it sort of resulting in a fight. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's 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 certainly not healthy, um, and you know, I, I think there's so many factors at play in that, from you know your media to social media, um, mm. to to you know the education system, like there's just a whole gamut of things. Um, yeah, I brought up the September 11th one. Obviously, I know, you know, obviously as a New Yorker uh, and growing up in that time period where it, it occurred and certainly in, in your formative sort of years in middle school, um, I was on the other side of the world in Malaysia at an, an American international school. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, you know, like you could you could just feel that sort of it's almost like the palpable sort of feeling uh, of uncertainty in the air. Um, yeah, so I, I bring that up sort of a, for a twofold reason because I noticed that a lot of uh, the guests that you have on your show I think quite a few of them started off their careers or certainly uh, stayed in their careers in the military uh, mainly as because 9-11 was such a catalyst in, in their in their journey um, and yeah I was mm. just interested to see what it was like uh, for, for yourself um, so, so Barca I had no idea so I know in a few of your episodes you talk about calisthenics but I, I didn't realize that um, you were one of the sort of founders of Bar Stars. I, I remember watching Bar Star videos in like sort of the you know the early YouTube era, where uh, yeah, like like you were saying the the, the crappy you know uh, two hundred dollar camera, where like you're just getting like pixel quality uh, footage. But um, I, I do remember Bar Star. That's that's incredible. I had no idea. That's um, what what happened to Bar Stars? Like was it just a one of those things that you know you guys were so successful and then you just wanted to do your own sort of your own thing, or what what happened there? Yeah, I, I, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still friends with, uh, you know, me and my two friends who founded it. Uh, you know, we speak all the time, um, and, and I'm friends with many of the people who are involved in Bar Stars. But yeah, it, I just wanted to do something different. Um, it, it started to feel a little bit like a chore. Uh, you know, uh, I used to host uh, group training sessions. I used to train people and. I did a lot of the video work uh, and the editing for the YouTube channel. Um, 
and it just it just begun to feel like a little bit of a chore. And yeah. I, I I was always uh, paying attention to world events, and I I wanted to do something different. I just I felt like uh, I could use my skills with the social media to affect uh, some other areas that I felt were important, like uh, you know current events and things that are happening in the world. So it, it was really mostly that I would say. Oh, fair enough. Um, and then yeah, you were mentioning, obviously, in sort of 2015, uh, 20, yeah, 15, 2016, the, the sort of groundwork to get Global Recon up. Um, you, you made from Pakistan, uh, I believe, was the, was the original co-host with, with yourself on the show, Mike Glover. Um, yes. I, I know he's spoken about sort of being in Pakistan and writing on a napkin, you know, that the, the, the old sort of cliche, writing on a napkin to get his company, Fieldcraft, started. Um, yeah, so why the... I know you, obviously you, you you guys are friends, but why the genre for the military uh, style pod or you know guests uh, and not just like you said like a current events kind of concept? Well, that's a good question. Um, so I've considered starting a new podcast um, and kind of focusing more on not as much military, but current events and, and other things that I find are important, like mental health and things like that. Um, but it, like I said, it just kind of happened by mistake almost, uh, like very randomly. Um, you know, we'd done a couple of episodes and the response immediately was pretty good. And um, and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was just kind of freestyling and... Um, it when I saw momentum was picking up, I just said, you know what, let's let's continue to do this and um and just kind of ran with it from there. Um also uh the first episode came out in January 2016, and my father passed away in February 2016. Um so that was a difficult time for me. And one of the things that helped me sort of deal with that loss was just throwing myself into work. So I was working full time. And in the early days I was doing uh, probably like five or six episodes a month, um, you know, and going to the gym and, you know, having a social life. So I think it, it kind of helped me get through a, a, a sort of dark time in my life. Um, yeah by just working and, and, and continuing to push myself. And, and then it was also rewarding for me, um, to be able to speak to human beings with the experiences of guys who were in special operations or, or in the infantry or in the intelligence services. Um, and I was able to learn a lot yeah. and, uh, it, it changed my view of the world, um, having exposure to different ideas and, and different people. Uh, so I benefited greatly from it, uh, you know, as much as uh, it's become a platform to help, you know, maybe maybe shine a light on what some veterans are doing as they exit the military uh, and, and they they feel a benefit from that. It, it also benefited me uh, and, and I learned a, a ton doing it. Um, so, yeah, so then it's like, uh, you know, like what is the kind of evolution of that? Uh, and then now it's. You know, like there's a, a ton going on in the world always, but um, in particular in Europe, you have the the war in Ukraine. Yeah. 
um, which I'm very much focused on. And I, I don't know. I just think it's important to uh, to understand what's happening in the world at the moment. Um, and and then to sort of understand some of the history of these events or, you know, what's the history between Russia and Ukraine and, uh, you know, what, what led up to this war and what will potentially happen in the future if Russia wins or if Ukraine wins, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's also an importance in what, like, what you're doing with your podcast. So the last couple of episodes, you've had some Ukrainian special forces um, uh, uh, operators and, and w- what you're doing is you're also bringing into people's living rooms or in their cars, wherever they listen to the podcast, a long form conversation. So it's not just a soundbite that's trying to get ratings off of, you know, um, your mainstream media or your social media. It's, it's genuine people in the front lines uh, bringing information to people's homes. Uh, and, and I think that that's the most amazing thing about this, this sort of age that we're living in now. It's like it, at no point in history, would you've had this sort of access to people almost real time, um, right. and so just, just backtracking a little bit, um, you, you know, you were saying that your, your father passed away in the February, uh, and you're trying to get, you know, obviously occupy your time with work, with, with everything else you had going on. I think uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but I would imagine as well, like the, the nature of the work where you're interviewing guests from such a variety of backgrounds who've also gone through loss over, you know, 20 years worth of fighting, uh, mm-hmm. 20 plus years now, um, you, you know, you, you, you're probably helping them they're helping you but you know you're, you're you're also just the perspective is just growing and growing constantly for yourself um and, and you're sharing that with 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 the people and, and just real quick i just want to I, I wrote down on a piece of paper like my favorite sort of my top episodes that i, I enjoyed and i'm just going to read them out real quick but okay. it's, it's it's like it's just a page like a full page long um so for myself like mike uh mike glover was obviously the first one for first couple few episodes and he was the uh, co-host then you get two lamb, former special forces, uh, Ronan Tactics uh, um, mm-hmm. owner, Mark Donaldson. So for you know, obviously for the Australia perspective, um, incredible story with his book as well, The Crossroads. Uh, Dan, Doctor Dan Pronk. Uh, I'm just gonna fire through now. So Rusty Furman, two two SAS during the Iranian embassy uh, siege. Uh, Jason Foxy Fox, um, obviously the host of SAS. Who dares wins. Uh, the yeah. Spooners, Tom and Scott Spooner, obviously they they run an amazing uh, charity uh, targeted to veterans. Uh, Jack Carr, Andy Stump, um, you know former Navy SEALs. Nims Die, like and you interviewed him just before he did his. Uh, was it was it just before he did all his sort of climbs, or was it around? Yeah, in, in no, the middle I, of it. He might have done a few. Yeah, uh, it might have been like in between his uh, his record his record setting uh, climbs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you have uh, Mac V. Sog, uh, you know, just amazing stories from John Stryker Meyer. Uh, you know, just the list goes on. And then up, up to today where you have the Ukrainian Special Forces guys on, you know, it's uh, it's absolutely mind-blowing how, how, how many episodes you've done just in volume, but also the quality uh, of the guests that you have on. Um, and so one of my questions, I suppose, as a podcaster as well, is if you had any sort of like, what were the main hurdles in sort of getting access to these people um obviously it's completely different when you have like somebody from let's say Mac V Sog where that was uh you know years and years and years decades ago and then you have Ukrainian special forces modern day but like what what are, did you have any sort of issues in terms of access to these people um yeah I, I think so uh, probably 
uh, probably in the beginning, um, it was a process of, because like everything, every sort of avenue of life, there's some level of politics involved. Um, and it, it could be the most positive thing. It could be religion. It could be the most negative thing. Like there's, I, in my experience, there's always some kind of politics involved. Um, yeah. And uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Um, you know, I, I came into it thinking like, you know, I do a podcast with this guy who's done X, Y, and Z, and 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 that's cool. But then, uh, as I learned sort of the hard way, then there's like, well, this guy's a, uh, you know, he's a scumbag because of this and this and this happened, and so then that's when I'm like, oh crap! Like there's there's a bunch of politics yeah. uh, in this as well, um, and so I, I've actually had scenarios where. I spoke to guys who eventually did come on the podcast, but in the beat, and I, I won't say who they are, but yeah. um, you know, we're talking and I'm like, Oh, you know, I have a podcast, you know, uh, we do X, Y, and Z. Here's the link. And he, and the guy was like, okay, I'll get back to you. And then he got back to me and he's like, you know what? You have some guys on there that I really don't like. So I don't know if I'll do a podcast. And I was like, wow. Okay. okay. Uh, eventually he did. And, and we have a great relationship today. Um, but that was sort of my taste of, of the politics of like, you know, the military and like special operations and like, you know, what does it mean to have a good reputation and, you know, having a good reputation can take you far in that world. Um, so I think, uh, in the early days, having like a Mike Glover co-host gave me access to certain people, uh, particularly in the special forces community, because yeah. that's where he comes from. Um, and then Mike left and he did his, he started his own show. And then after he left, uh, I had to like, to get people to come on the show based on the previous episodes and what I was saying to them and, yeah. and how we connected. And, um, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, having the uh, having the ability to connect with people, I think, is a, an important skill in life and, and anything you do. And um, through my my work at Bar Stars, we connected with so many people. Like we, you know, I had friends in Ukraine and Russia. I had friends in uh, in Israel. I had friends in Palestine and Africa, um, in the UK. Uh, so we dealt with all these people from all over the world, from different cultures and different religions and different uh, backgrounds and experiences. And then of course, New York is like a melting pot of, of the world's cultures, right? So uh, I think being able to communicate effectively with people and to connect with them. And then I also think it's important to be yourself and to be genuine. And, um, and people can see that, uh, especially guys who were, you know, serving in special operations or in the intelligence community or, you know, doing these, these cool things uh, around the world where they also had to connect with people and, and the success of their mission depended on that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's uh, super important. And, uh, and, and like I said, there were some difficulties in getting different guests on and, and there's probably, I would say there's probably an occasional person or two who's in the sort of military space now, 
that wouldn't do my podcast because let's say I'm a civilian or something like that. Right. And and I I kind of get it. Um, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. I've noticed. Um, you know, like like you're saying when you first started the podcast, um, the sort of the military, uh, the, the folks leaving the military, certainly in the, the soft community, um, there wasn't real a real sort of the way it is now where, you know, there's Instagram pages, there's uh, Patreons, there's all sorts of, of platforms for them to be on. Um, but I've also noticed that there's, they're very, um, there's a lot of clickiness going on, uh, you know, sure. like whether, like you were saying, like somebody's bad mouthing another person or whatever else it may be. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was always interested because, because of the volume of guests that you've had on, whether, whether there were any sort of issues like that. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, you know, I think I might just sort of, we'll just bring that down to passion. You know, they're all just very passionate humans. Um, yeah. You know, they, they like the direction they're going in, maybe not so much other people. Certainly, um, I know a few years ago, um, there was a company called Soft, or there's still a company called SoftRep. I think they uh, released some sort of pretty, pretty shitty footage of uh, some um, SF guys getting ambushed. Um, yeah. and that, and that was, you know, I think there, there was just sort of unanimous kind of outrage in the community, uh, when, when that went on. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I get sort of that perspective where, you know, you're doing something shitty for your ratings. Hey, maybe check yourself sort of thing. Um, and what about things like, um, like, do you have like a vetting process or like, is it because you've spoken to so many people, you can kind of, you know, the next guest you have on, you can kind of bounce off another person and go, Hey, did this person actually do what they were saying? They did like what's your sort of vetting process or do you have a vetting process like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um and that's a great question. And actually I I podcasted with people before who then I later learned weren't exactly who they said they were. It's so it's actually funny. Okay, so let me tell you the story. So if you look at my episode list, it starts at episode two. Yeah. Okay, I'll explain that. So episode one, right? So Mike Glover was involved. Mike and Tulam from Rona Tactics, they were involved in the response to Benghazi. Yeah. So they were there, I forget exactly how long after, but they were on the ground looking for people involved, after, like not too long after. Um, yeah, they were they the had hunting just, party sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, th I think there were several sort of players involved in that. Yeah. Like they weren't the only, but they were involved. And um, uh, so the, the first, so they, they had intimate knowledge of that situation. When when the Benghazi attacks were happening, they were at the special mission compound in North Carolina, watching it all on the news, like on the, uh, I don't know, in the command center, I guess. So they had intimate knowledge of details of what was happening, communication, radio, everything. Uh, so we did a, we've done a podcast with this guy. So, okay, so let me rewind. Before I did the podcast, I was doing articles um in 2015 sort of leading up at the end of 2015 sort of leading into 2016 and um two had done an article for me mike glover had done like a couple and then this guy reached out to me claiming to have been a member of the uh, 160th uh, special operations aviation regiment which is the uh the night stalkers, night stalkers uh, yeah. the, the best helicopter pilots on earth no question um and he had sent me videos from inside uh, the uh, MH6 Little Birds. Uh, that's the the small helicopters with the the two skids on the side, and like usually it's like 
you know, Delta Force or SEAL Team 6 that rides with those guys. Yeah, very um, agile, very sort of uh, reduced signature kind of helicopters. Right. And they do all kind of, you know, interesting stuff. And yeah. so he sent a bunch of videos about, uh, you know, in a in a cockpit or or in the back of a, of a different airframe. And he seemed to know what he was talking about. So he he sort of passed the initial smell test. Um, he had written an article too, I think, and then um, he had claimed that he was in Afghanistan when Benghazi was happening, and he was part of a a task group that was sent to Benghazi and then turned around and sent back to Afghanistan. Right. Um, we had arranged for him to go on Fox News, cover his face, change his voice, and speak about that. Um, he ended up, uh, he like made a bunch of excuses and somehow got out of doing it. Like, like he told us he had like brain cancer or some shit. Um, so, you know, of course it's like, we think you have like a serious illness the day you're supposed to do this interview, you say, oh, it, it flared up. I'm sorry. You know, I had to, whatever. So we're not going to like, oh, you know, let's, is he lying? At least at that time, we didn't think that. And then, so we do this podcast with him. Uh, Mike talks about his experiences and, and everything from his perspective. And then this guy we had on, he spoke about everything from his perspective. So we put the episode out. So counter and tell it. So different uh, aspects of the military government, they have uh, what's known as counterintelligence, like people looking to catch spies and, and things like that. Yeah. Counterintelligence from the 160th. <laughs> contacted Mike Glover and said, you need to take that episode down. And he's like, what's going on? And they said, that guy you're talking to is not who he says he is. Oh, wow. Okay. So then Mike calls me. He's like, you have to take it down. I'm like, fuck, like, it's our first episode. That, you know, I thought it went well. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so I take it down. So it turns out this guy wasn't 160th, but not as a pilot. He was some kind of like... Uh, some kind of medic, okay. you know, at the regiment. Um, so he was still there. You know, he was still, he still kind of touched the magic a little bit, right? But he wasn't who he said he was. And and what we think happened was he was friends um, with a pilot, like close friends with one of, the, one of the guys he worked with. And that's how he was able to send these videos and, and things like that. So we kind of started off with a bang, right? Like counterintelligence yeah. is saying, you got to take this down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So that was like the first lesson in like, you really need to vet people before you uh, uh, bring them on. Yeah. So, you know, over the years and, and building relationships and 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 becoming friends with people from different units and, and uh, things like that, if if I if I think about having a guy who's a SEAL on, right, or who claims to be a SEAL, like I have like senior Navy SEALs who I can speak to and say, what do you, you know, what do you know about this guy? Or yeah. a, a guy from Delta Force, like I can contact someone and say, have you heard of this guy? You know, he said he was here at this time. And yeah. um, so I, I'm fortunate to have those um, connections to where I can vet people. Um, it's a little more difficult with like, say like, uh, I don't know, Ukrainians, right? Um it just so happened with Miko, who was on the first time, and then he was also on for the second, the most recent one I just put out. I happened to know him for a while. 
yeah. um, like before the Russians fully invaded. Um, and when they invaded, I'm like, wait a minute, I know a Ukrainian special forces guy. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember his, uh, his Instagram handle. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, what's his name? And I tried, I tried searching, uh, you know, we had, I think we we DM'd a little bit a couple, a few years ago. So I, I'm like looking, I'm like going back years through my DMs trying to find Jeez. this guy. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't. And I'm like, fuck. And and I, I knew he was there, but I just couldn't find him. And yeah. uh, and then he eventually he posted something and I was like, yes. And I, you know, I hit him up and, and then we ended up podcasting and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's certainly trickier in, uh, doing things with folks who are overseas or something like that, uh, you know, different countries or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but even in those scenarios, I have ways I can, I can sort of try and find out. Um, so, yeah, so that it, it's not easy, but, uh, you know, just try and like, just as an advice uh, for it, like just try and build as many connections as you possibly can and, and then just, you know, leverage those connections. It's why uh, I've got you on the show, John. No, no, no lie. No, I was kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was. So that's a nice transition, actually, because my next question was going to be, you know, your your sort of coverage or the the variety of guests. It's, it's not only obviously American based, um, but you, you do it sort of. Uh, you've got a nice kind of global take on on it. Um, where, in terms of the approach on getting you know, foreign guests, how, how do you take that approach? Is it, is it that you've, you know, maybe read one of their books and you want to have them on the show or uh, for somebody like Nims, you know, you've heard about the project and then you want to, you know, sort of have him on the show while he's doing it or, or is it just out of interest, uh, you know, through social media or, or whatever other platforms that you've got folks outside of the U S. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, like, let's say uh, Rusty Furman, for example, um, you know, the, what they did at the Iranian embassy sees in London in 1980, that was really the, the, the first sort of public look at what like special operations is, right? Like yeah. it, it was on camera. It was um, televised. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I, it, special operations existed forever. Um, they might've had different names, you know, a couple hundred years ago, but it was the same sort of thing, you know, um, uh, sabotage, disrupting enemy supply lines, doing stuff behind enemy lines, right? Um, but then the the British uh, sort of added their own twist to it with the sort of counterterrorism aspect of it, um, you know, assaulting houses and rooms and room clearing and, you know, flashbangs and, and all these things and having each guy being a very good shooter, um, and and they kind of set the standard for that, and and then like I said, nineteen eighty, that was the the world kind of seeing what this new sort of elite uh, special operations is all about. And Delta um, uh, Force was founded by a guy named uh, Charlie Beckwith, who was a Army Special Forces guy. He served in Vietnam. He's seen a ton of combat, and then after. Was it after? I don't remember if it was before or after Vietnam. He had spent a year with the SAS. Right. Um, and then when he came back, he immediately he started to petition to, to have a unit like the SAS in America. Um, yeah, with the squadrons which, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, so Delta Force 
and SEAL Team Six eventually uh, are essentially born out of what we felt in the U.S. was a necessity, and it was modeled after the SAS and the SBS Special Boat Service. Yeah. Um, so knowing that history, I was always interested in uh, eventually talking to someone from the U.K. Um, and then I, you know, knowing that, I knew that there was also an Australian Special Air Service. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it just became a thing of uh, having a decent reach on social media for me. Um, uh, at the time that I interviewed Rusty Furman, uh, Chantel Taylor was my co-host, um, British Army combat medic and veteran. Um, so she actually knew Rusty. So she made the connection. And she also connected me to uh, Foxy. She knew him as well. And actually, Foxy was the the first or the second in-person podcast I did. So, like, we recorded that podcast, like, in his hotel room in Manhattan. Um, oh, dope. Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like, basically just connect connecting through the platform, uh, leveraging my connections to bring other people in. Um, I'm trying to think, who was the first Australian I had on? It was either uh, was it Dan or Dan Pronk or Mark Donaldson, maybe? Um, or, or did you have one before that? No, I think I had before that. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyways, uh, eventually I, I did have uh, Dan Pronk on, who's an incredible guy. Yeah. And Mark Donaldson, obviously, another uh, incredible guy. Um, VC recipient. Yeah, yeah, just a, and and he's just like, just a cool dude, you know. It's like he he's super humble, um, a solid guy. He, I, I forgot what he called me. Uh, it's it's I don't know some kind of Australian slang. I think the the memory I have from that episode was you and Chantel getting freaked out by him working out with no music. You're like, wait, what? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, all right, this guy's a fucking alien. Yeah, yeah, um, he's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so uh, yeah so then uh, like just you know it kind of comes back to the same thing like just leveraging connections and and reach and uh and having a, a willingness to speak to uh you know folks who are not american yeah um but but doing some of the things and it's, again i think it's it's that whole uh you know just just widening the lens and getting a, a better perspective of you know, these guys all fought relatively in the same areas, the same war, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the sort of GWAT area. But each person, each each person, each unit, each country has their own take of how everything went, and sort of getting that holistic picture is kind of um, kind of cool. And um, you know, it's, it's one of the the things I love about your show. Um, all right, so t- t- taking it to sort of closer to current times, being in New York uh, during the pandemic, how did that uh, sort of how did that affect you and and what you were doing? I mean, obviously, a lot of this stuff is online, but how how did you go navigating through the the pandemic in New York? Oh, that was terrible, man. Um, you know the the so okay, so let me go just slightly before the pandemic. Um, I was in Jordan in 2019 uh, in the desert, um, and I got sick. So I was sick for six months from. Uh, by the beginning of September till February. Um, so I was sick for six months and I had mono. 
So it, it's not like life threatening, but it's it's basically like extreme fatigue. Yeah. Every single day. It was it was tough, you know, mentally. Um, like just doing basic things really tired me out. Um, Especially for a fit guy like, you know, like yourself, like with the calisthenics background and everything. Oh, it was it was terrible. Like just taking um, I live in an apartment building. So just taking my garbage from my apartment door to the elevator to the basement and back up, I was like winded from that. Um, So it was horrible. Um, So I I started to feel better um, by like the end of January, but but just weakened from not moving much for six months, like not going to, to the gym or anything or not doing any kind of exercising. Yeah. But I, I tried exercising and I felt worse after. And then the doctor told me like, you're just going to like feel terrible if you exercise. So don't do it. Um, so I started to feel better end of January. And then um, I think I went to the gym for like a week. And you know, when you're, if you haven't worked out for a long time, when you, go back you're like very sore that first couple of weeks yeah, um, the dom sitting in and everything yeah so i think I, I think i hit the gym for like a week um and then i went to western canada for i think uh 10 days maybe like to the canadian rockies and i wanted to hike this mountain but i just wasn't sure if i could um because i was just so fatigued and not uh not feeling like myself yeah. Uh, so I ended up not doing that, but I, I did sort of hike through some some nice uh, nice areas in the in the Canadian Rockies. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and then once I got back, that's when the lockdowns hit. Um, and and for a place like New York, uh, I think I think it's like roughly nine million people or ten million people, something like that. Um, and so Manhattan in particular is always pretty busy um, because there's five boroughs in New York, Queens, Brooklyn, um, Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx. Um, so a lot of people may- maybe live in the outer boroughs, but work in the city. Yeah. Uh, so like in New York, when people say the city, they're referring to like midtown Manhattan and, and lower. Um, so there's always millions of people every single day in Manhattan. Um, and then when the the, pan, the lockdowns hit, there was like nobody outside. Like it was very weird to see. And um, uh, I'm also a photographer and I, I'd done a lot of video work in my bar star days. So a friend of mine works for a big developer uh, in Manhattan and they wanted to have a, a sort of virtual experience for potential buyers for these high-end apartments. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking like, $8 million apartments, tell like very nice high-end stuff. So uh, I went with my friend, I think it was uh, maybe April or something like that, or March, to film it for him. And then I, I put the video together and then his company would sort of show people like, this is the apartment, so you can kind of see it. Um, and uh, I had to borrow a lens from a photographer, a friend of mine, uh, and he works in Times Square or near Times Square. So I had to go get the lens and then go back to the Central Park area where we were filming. And um, for the first time in my life, Times Square was completely empty. Um, and it was it was such an eerie feeling because it's, it's always a place that's like bustling with life and energy and like all the lights are on and it's filled with tourists and people selling things, you know, and there's always so much going on. And it was just empty and I couldn't believe it. 
Um, so yeah, it was tough. And then, you know, in in the uh, in the the eighties, the nineties, and early two thousands, New York was pretty rough in terms of crime and things like that. And then I, I kind of felt like we we had kind of moved away from that. Like crime had dropped to historic lows for years, for a couple of years in a row. Uh, it was much less crime. Like when I was in high school, there were gangs everywhere. And, and uh, you know, like my friends were getting killed in the street and shit like that. Um, but it, it had stopped for the most part. And I, I thought we kind of moved on from that. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, it's just, it, it felt like it felt when I was a kid, you know, um, yeah. in the last uh, in the last two years, six of my friends were killed in the streets um murdered you know shot uh shot or stabbed to death and um you know guys my age I'm, I'm 34 um and it, it just felt like the pandemic just like turned everything upside down it was like things felt relatively safe and peaceful and then um and it's like and then now it's like you know for the sort of urban like inner city areas it's like we're right back to the 90s the, the early 2000s yeah, that lawlessness um, is uh sort of reached back around again. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's like I I really thought we moved past that. Yeah. Um, because you you know when I was younger, I I'd seen people I knew who were older than me from the neighborhood. Uh, you know, they were getting murdered. You know, at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and and I was going to funerals and seeing these people I knew who who were dead, and it just felt like my generation we saw that. And we saw people go to that we knew and loved go to prison for a long time, and uh, we figured out like this is not the way to to live, you know. Yeah. But um, and and then it's, it seems like that that whole thing just went out the window. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine he got into a fight. Um, and then the guy comes back and and shoots him like twenty times or some crazy shit like that, and it's just like. Like, how do we get here? Like, I I thought we moved past this point, and and it just feels like the the uh, the second and third order effects of the lockdowns and people losing their jobs and and not being able to work because the government shut everything down. I think that had a really negative impact yeah. on people, and especially people who are in the the lower middle class or or uh, even lower than that, uh, you know, on the the spectrum of of wealth and economic security. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's been horrible. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, the, the people like you were mentioning in the sort of lower socioeconomic incomes, like they've, they've always sort of fallen through the, the cracks, but now the cracks are getting much, much bigger, uh, you know, in terms mm. of they can't go to work, they can't feed their family, desperation sets in, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much for people to turn back to sort of primitive sort of times and, or, or, or to be violent, um, you know, it's, it's. I think the world over, we've we've kind of seen that. Um, unfortunately, there's in, in the last couple of years. Certainly, there's there's all sorts of other things at play. From, you know, like you were saying before, people in their echo chambers, the politics, the uh, the divisiveness, it, it all plays a part into it. But I think it certainly didn't help having something like a pandemic in the middle of that. Um, you know, you you talk about uh, the mental health sort of uh, lens of your show. Um, and I think that's a sort of a nice little sort of um, transition now. So like, yeah, with, with the mental health piece, um, you know, when you first started the show, I suppose it was, it was, it was known, but it wasn't, nothing was really done about it. 
now you have all these veterans with such massive platforms, millions of followers, uh, able to tell their stories of, you know, the TBI, um, burn pits, all sorts of things. Um, what, what's, what, what are you um, up to at this stage, like in terms of um, the, the mental health aspect of things? Uh, do you have any plans or projects in place? Um, and you're just in general, how's, how's like, how's your mental health after being sick for a while there with the pandemic and now hopefully we're creeping out of it? Uh, yeah. So the, uh, so there are some organizations that do phenomenal work around, uh, veterans and mental health and, uh, the, the organization I'm thinking about in particular, they focus on, uh, TBI stuff and, uh, cancer. Uh, veterans have a, a much higher rate of of cancer than the rest of society. Yeah. Uh, and like you mentioned, burn pits. Um, and the, the organization is called the Hunter Seven Foundation. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal people. Uh, they are mainly um, medical professionals, nurses, doctors, uh, a lot of ex-military uh, medics and nurses and doctors as well. And, um, uh, you know, I, I may do a podcast with them soon. But uh, yeah, they they do incredible work with on that front um, on the mental health stuff. As far as me, um, that six months was like super depressing because it, it it felt like uh, you know when you have a cold and uh, maybe your nose isn't or your sinuses aren't so messed up, but your head is kind of cloudy. Yeah, that's how I felt every day for six months. So that was tough to deal with. Um, uh, so I had to deal with that. Um, I lost my job uh, during that time. Uh, they were kind of being dicks about it. So that was pissing me off, you know? So it was just a whole bunch of things. Yeah. And then the lockdowns came. So the, and then that was another set of challenges um, to to have to like be forced to stay home, right? Um, and then when the spring and summer rolled around, it was less, it wasn't as restrictive, but the gyms were still closed. So uh, me and like some friends of mine, we would just like go running every day and like go hiking and stuff like that. So there's a lot of that happening. Um, I think people were leaning on each other quite a bit. Um, you know, I know I was. Uh, so, yeah. And, and then, like I said, there's just the, the sort of after effects of the lockdowns are, are kind of still permeating. Um People are kind of acting crazy. Uh, I think crime in the country is up, uh, or, or it, it might start to be trending down now. But um, it was definitely up. I mean, uh, there's a ton of high-profile murders of like rappers, let's say. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, just kind of like I said before, it just felt like we kind of went backwards a little bit uh, when it looked like we were kind of moving away from like this violent sort of vicious cycle um that i experienced as a kid and as a young teenager um but yeah so but i mean as far as things now things are, are great you know um I, I i traveled quite a bit before the pandemic uh each year like i, I spent at least a month in europe and different countries and uh, sometimes the middle east and um uh, so I, I plan to start traveling again soon Nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm just not sure where I want to go yet. I was thinking about like uh, maybe like a Norway or an Iceland um, this winter. Uh, but I, I also kind of want to go to Ukraine. Um, 
So I'm not sure about that, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure um, there'll be plenty of uh, sort of organizations, you know, aid organizations and whatnot, uh, even at the sort of the border, like where Poland uh, is. Um, yeah, the the travel piece. Yeah, I remember. Was it? I can't remember. If it was yourself? Did you go to Japan um, not too long ago as well? Um, I did go to Japan in, in 2017. That's right. Yeah, because you, you were talking about the. Uh, Book of Twelve Rings um, with uh, with two, I think. Uh, so that was a good episode. Um, yeah. Well, hey, if you are ever uh, this side of the world, give me a call. Uh, I'll, I'll show you around Scotland. Uh, I've only just got here myself, but I don't know if you've been here. But it's uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like just beautiful scenery and uh, getting away from people. That's certainly sometimes a nice yeah. thing as well. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched a, a travel video about Scotland like a week ago, nice. um, and I think it was like they it started in in edinburgh and then they went into the highlands um i haven't been there but it's on it's been on my bucket list for a while uh and i'm also a photographer so i, I watch a lot of content from like travel photographers and 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 stuff like that yeah uh, and a friend of mine uh he's from scotland and he was a uh a sergeant major in the sas like a commander in one of the squadrons and i was talking to him about potentially visiting the uk yeah, and what yeah, he said man. to me was he was like, uh, having a pie, a pint in, in Edinburgh is much better than having a pie in London. So, um, <laughs> let's do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Catch up with some mates as well. You've got Nims there. You've got, uh, well, not in, in Scotland, but down south. Um, yeah. You know, ca- catch up with all your, all your pals. Um, mm. so what's the future look like for the show? Uh, or just, just in general, are you, um, uh, uh you know, what's the, what's on the horizon? Um, I want to I want to continue to uh, do things that I feel are impactful. Um, now that might mean like say like a trip to Ukraine and and like embedding with a unit and uh, and just capturing some of what they do. Um, uh, there are some other folks doing that now. I don't think I don't know if Ukraine is allowing that for these special operations units like for reporters to go with them and, and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. So uh, it's something along those lines, like maybe actually going to places and and uh, recording and filming and, and taking photos and, and interviewing people in some of these uh, war zones, uh, I think is something I, I think about. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure, you know, like I, you know, I work a nine to five job, so like I have to figure out the financial piece of that. You know, yeah, I think um, certainly early on in the in the uh, the war, I uh, I was tuning in, and again the the sort of uh, you know I suppose the wonders of social media. There was an Aussie guy named Will. I think uh, his his handle on Instagram is Will's Beating Cancer. Uh, he's a former yeah. um, Australian Defense Force member, um, and he happened to be in Ukraine. And he, he as, as a as a journalist, so he was kind of just uh, daily vlogging, I suppose you could call it, uh, just you know, going from town to town to town. Uh, and then there's other organizations out there, like um, certainly on social media, like Forwards Observations Groups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they sort of embedded themselves with some of the units and helped them out. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an absolutely like devastating thing to be happening uh in, in sort of the western world we haven't really seen anything like that for some time now 
Yeah. Um, but it just sort of highlights it, you know, it's, it could always be around the corner, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. in terms of your sort of, I suppose, coverage, maybe if you want to call that, it, like there's, there's nothing sort of long form or, or uh, like a lot of these things are quite short and short bursts in nature. So that'd be certainly a very interesting sort of take on it. Uh, if, if you were to do that. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, I don't know like what the chances would be of me being able to like go out with uh, some of my friends who are there in the special operations world of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that they're, they're very strict with, you know, operational stuff and uh, the Ukrainians are actually very good at uh, keeping things quiet and using deception to uh, make gains on the battlefield and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's actually a possibility. It, it may be. Um, yeah. But yeah. 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 I think they, uh, a lot of those tactics, like I think after sort of Crimea happened, you know, they, they sort of everything was ramped up and in, in terms of their capabilities and defenses and yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously everyone tune into John's episode uh, with the UK, uh, Ukrainian SF guys. They, uh, that was very eye opening. Yeah. Um, Anyways, John, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. I know it's a uh, it's a fr- Friday evening there, so uh, you know, th- thanks so much for taking time out of your day to have a chat with me. Thank you for, um, I suppose, yeah, inspiring me to do what I'm doing and um, continue to do what you're doing. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefit uh, and a lot of sort of good you're doing with your show, uh, not just for um, you know us who want to hear the stories, but certainly for the mental health and the veteran community um yeah just just keep it up man and i'm uh always always uh tuning into to the global recon uh podcast yeah thanks for having me on here um i know we've been trying to do this for a while um but yeah i appreciate it uh it's it's actually nice to not be the host um <laughs> I, I feel like it's it's uh it's almost a little easier when when you're just talking about yourself you know versus like uh when you're the host, you kind of have to research and, and know about this topic and, and, uh, and then you, you, you know, you speak to the subject matter expert who you have on, but, uh, it's a little easier to just talk about your own story. I, I feel, um, so yeah, so this is fun. You know, I, I appreciate you having me on and, um, uh, yeah, whenever, whenever this drops, let me know and, you know, I'll push it on my socials. Awesome, man. Cheers.